I'm going to pray over the word. Just let me know we good to go with all recordings and everything's good. Okay. Really appreciate you guys agreeing with me in prayer. Really focusing with me in this because um, you know, some of these things are challenging to preach. <clears throat> so Lord, we, we come together in unity as one body. And Lord, we ask you tonight that your blessing be upon the word of the Lord. As we come before you, Lord, we ask you that um, you would anoint me fresh and come upon me and speak through me, Lord, your word of life under a strong anointing and the glory, and it will go out as living seeds of truth sown in the good, fertile soul of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes, that the winds of your spirit will carry this seed of the word everywhere it's supposed to go and that your mighty angels will watch over it to protect it Lord we bring this under the blood and the Bible says the birds of the air try to steal the seeds and so Lord we bind up anything of the enemy that would try to hinder the word from getting where it's supposed to be doing what it's supposed to be doing we bind it in the name of Jesus we command you to back off and be bound right now in Jesus name we break your power and Lord, I pray that the word as this goes out, it will be like a bright light of truth that dispels all the darkness and the lies and the deception of the enemy and brings truth and revelation. Let your word go out, Lord, and be a washing of the water of the word. Let it go out as a hammer that breaks down strongholds and a sword that cuts through and penetrates where it needs to get. Lord, let your word the Bible says it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So we ask you, Lord, that your hand be upon this and we stand in faith that everything will be accomplished in and through the preaching of this word that's your will to be done. Lord, we thank you. We commit it unto you now and we bless you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things and we believe we receive it now. And there's an expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is going to be kind of a dovetail of, of the sermon series I did on fruitfulness. And this will definitely be the last one. Um, I didn't think that the Lord was going to give me one more, but the Lord gave me this sermon. It's an interesting sermon about the birds through Scripture, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But it's definitely something we need to hear. And um, I'm going to give you a statement those that are taking notes you may really want to document this and remember this but there's a statement that bill johnson made that when i first heard this i didn't necessarily completely um just swallow it you know i heard it and i thought well okay but then as i've i've, I've thought about this over a period of time i've prayed about it and um you know, as I not necessarily pray specifically about this statement, but just praying about this idea, this concept, I have to say that it is a true, true word for sure. And this is what he stated. He said, you are either in direct opposition to the spirit of your region, or you are in agreement with it. That's something to write down and remember, because it is true please get this tonight you are either in direct opposition to the spirit of your region principalities and powers you're in opposition to that you're a thorn in their side you're their enemy or you're in agreement with it but there's no middle ground a lot of people think there's some nether world of lim the land of limbo the land of gray the the land of you can hold hands with the devil hold hands with jesus you can be halfway committed you, you know it's not like that with jesus i know people want to think it is but it just isn't how many knows jesus wants the whole thing or nothing at all he wants your whole life or nothing he wants you to either be hot or cold you know he, you're either for him or against him I know a lot of people think there's this middle ground where they can just kind of compromise and live that way, but it's not biblical. And um, that same concept applies here. There's a lot of people that probably don't realize it, but they're not 
an enemy to the spirit of their region in many ways it may be subtle but in many ways they've come into agreement with that thing and the reason why they have some sense of peace if you will and and what i mean by that is not god's peace but in absence of war an absence of spiritual warfare in their life is because they have gotten to a place of being lukewarm they're not a threat to the enemy whatsoever and so the enemy is not going to war against them as a matter of fact he wants to give them some kind of peace and leave them alone because they're exactly where he wants them to be spiritually I can just see the principality looking at some people's lives and saying man they are exactly in the center of my will exactly where I want them to be in a lukewarm compromising place and he doesn't even have to send powerful dark forces against them he can just send a few minor demons and say look just keep singing a lullaby to them all is well everything's fine I'm great like I am keep them lulled asleep with a false sense of security and exactly like they are because there's zero threat to the devil whatsoever they're not winning any souls they don't have any powerful prayer life they don't really bear any fruit and without meaning to they've come into a strong agreement with the spirit of the region I wonder how many churches and ministries maybe they started out real powerful back years ago but now the sermons have changed the services have changed things have conformed somehow to a place that the principality over the region is very comfortable with that and does not feel threatened by them at all and is not going to go to war against them at all So you're either going to be in direct opposition to the spirit of your region. You're going to be a thorn in his side. He is going to hate your guts with a passion. When you wake up in the morning, he's irritated that you're awake. And I'm not joking. What I'm telling you is as real as the chair you're sitting in. It's just a lot of people don't think about it. That thing, he's either going to hate you, you're you know you're against everything he's trying to do you keep plugging away doing things that you're supposed to be doing for the kingdom and he keeps trying to stop you but it's not working he can't stand it you either have that relationship with him or he says i'm okay with them they don't give me any problems at all or you'll have that relationship with him I remember one time I heard a preacher say it's true I really liked it the story of the seven sons of Sceva remember and the Jewish chief priest and they were trying to cast a demon out of a guy but they they weren't true Christians and so the demon was speaking through the man and he said I know Jesus and I know who Paul is who are you and he jumped on him and he beat them all up all eight of them and they ran out the Bible says naked and bleeding and uh, anyway so I remember that statement (laughs) who are you and uh, one preacher was saying you know you want to be known in hell because he said I know Jesus and I know who Paul is see what I'm saying he knew who Paul was but he said who are you who do you think you are all right so this is going to be what I feel is probably the last sermon like this the last warning of the Holy Spirit how many of you guys love the Holy Spirit and appreciate it to be honest with you sermons like this I've heard them for many many years I'm a product of Brownsville it doesn't bother me at all I love them I appreciate them I want the Holy Spirit to stir me up I want him to convict me I want him to to show me how to go deeper and I want to stay on fire I really do 
So I, I value these type of sermons. But anyway, this, uh, let me talk tonight as I close this series out with fruitfulness about birds. And um, you'll see where I'm going with it. In Matthew 13, that, you know, famous parable, parable of the seed and the sower. This, Jesus stated that this parable was like the foundation parable of all of the parables, if you will. He was like, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to get anything else I've ever taught you? Know? So this is a very foundational teaching of Jesus. And I'm just going to read it to you as we go. And start with verse 3. He said, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow seed. So as I'm reading this, I want you to picture this, okay? You've got a farmer back then. Y'all can look this way. Back then, they would have probably had some kind of a head covering and they would have been wearing some kind of a robe. But they had uh, something around them that they had a big pouch of seed, okay? And so as they were going, back then they would have previously gone uh, with a plow. They had an ox in front of them, a plow, and they would have plowed a field. So there was trenches there that they were trying to sow the seed into and they had this big pouch and a farmer's going and he's reaching into this and he's he's trying to scatter the seed into this um, these trenches that he's dug and so this is what's the picture here the farmer sowing the seed now what is the purpose of the seed to get in that ground and to take root and what bear fruit when a harvest comes up and it does not bear fruit it's called blight it is a wasted harvest it's like tares among the wheat so he said that the sower went out to sow and as he sowed he's walking along he's sowing some of the seed some seeds fell on the road and the birds came and ate it up did y'all see that so the first place is the road this is a place that in the field not a lot of people walk in the field but a lot of people walk this road you know what i'm saying this is a place well traveled we get out there we keep sharing the gospel sharing the gospel but it, because it fell on the road number one the birds came and ate it up number two others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil but when the sun had arisen they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away so the second seed fell on rocky places hard places it looked good at first but it withered away it didn't last the third others fell among thorns you picture now some of them fell in a place where there's weeds you know thorns and thistles and all that were there it was not conducive for this to grow and produce fruit and what was already there began to just squeeze and choke the life out of it and it said that um, the thorns came up and choked them out that's number three and then here's number four and others fell on good soil and yielded a crop some a hundred some sixty some thirty fold he who has ears let him hear oh everybody say this and think about what you're saying he that has ears let him hear how many knows that some people don't have eyes to see they don't have ears to hear they don't well, here's a concept I want you to really think about. You have four. Jesus gave us four categories of where seed fell. Only one in four was good soil. 25%. One-fourth was good soil. 75% did not bear fruit and was not good soil. And I have seen that. It's like the 25% always represents God's remnant. God always has a remnant. 
Those that have eyes to see and ears to hear, they are good fertile soil, but it's 75% never really get that breakthrough for some reason. I don't, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that 25%. It's a minority. And that's scary to think that you could be speaking to, you know, 40 people, but only 10, according to this, are really going to have good soil, have eyes to see, ears to hear, isn't that concerning? So I want you to, to maybe write that down too and just keep it with you this week because we're not going to be here next week because the holidays, but I want you to pray about it. And ask yourself and ask the Lord, am I part of this 25%? If I'm not, make me part of the 25%. And the disciples, verse 10, they came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus said, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. I mean, notice if you're faithful with little, you'll become ruler of much. When God gives you, if you'll really work with what God's put in your life, he'll see that faithfulness and he'll enlarge you. And he said that they'll be given more, they'll have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Why? Look at this. Because seeing, they do not see. While hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, you keep on hearing, but will not understand. You keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their eyes, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see um, with their ears and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The birds were the demonic that came in and stole the seed. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but is only temporarily or temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. So it never really gets a root in him. The one on whom the seed is sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. But the worry of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one, one on whom the seed was sown, that's good soil. This is the man who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some 160 or 30. But they, they're good soil. Now, how many of you guys know that the problem here is not the seed? The problem here is the soil. The same seed is sown, but it depends on the soil. Some people you can preach the word over and over and over, but something has happened to them spiritually where they're in a spiritual stupor. They have eyes, but they don't see ears, but they don't hear. They become dull, and it never really changes them. They'll amen you, they'll nod their head, they'll, you know, they'll write things down. But there's never really a change. You see, isn't that scary? But that, see, that's the 75%. But then you have this 25%, a remnant, that not only are hearers of the word, but they're doers. And it really gets in them. And they, man, they're like, okay, I'm going after God. I've, I've heard this word the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and 
you'll see change. See, that's the thing. A lot of people have never really thought about what is fruit. The root in your life is your relationship with the Lord, etc. But the fruit are the outward things that are happening in your life. You know, do you have any type of a prayer life? Are you doing any type of witnessing? Are you serving the Lord's kingdom? You know, I mean, it's, there's fruit. And man, this region, I tell you what, we need a revival. And I believe God's sending, I really do. All right, and then also Matthew 13, 31, and then we'll get into a couple things I want to cover. But Matthew 13, 31, Jesus is sharing, you know, different parables. But look at this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. You guys ever seen a mustard seed? Most, most people have. Well, it's very tiny. I, I should have brought one to show you. But anyway, a lot of preachers have done this. I figured you guys have seen over the years. But they'll, they'll buy a thing of mustard seeds and hand them out to everybody. But they're very small. And Jesus said that this seed is smaller than all the other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger then the other garden plants becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now let me stop there for a minute. This is interesting because if you go to Israel today and you look at the mustard tree or whatever, it's not really what you would think of this big tree. It's more like a bush. And there's a reason that the Bible says it this way. Sometimes... There's things that man has made it be bigger than what God ever intended because it's the work of man, so to speak. But look at what Jesus said. It got so big, what? The birds of the air came. I'm talking about birds tonight. The birds came and sat on the branches. When you get outside, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, them that labor, labor in vain. The Lord may do something, and it's really precious, but then man gets a hold of it. Pretty soon it starts becoming the work of man, and it may get really big, but it's not really the Lord doing that. And what happens? Birds start perching on branches. And he spoke to them, verse 33, another parable, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast which a woman took and hid three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. So the woman there is something like a Jezebel type of religious witchcraft spirit or something. You'd like the Revelation 17, the whore of Babylon. It's a spiritual thing. It's a harlot thing. He said that this woman took yeast and worked it into the kingdom. Sadly, we see that we see that the devil has caused in different ways things to get bigger than what it should have and birds have settled in on branches in the kingdom we've seen where leaven has been worked into the kingdom in different areas have we not what i'm concerned is is that in preaching these sermons this is the fourth one, and I believe probably the last one like this. But I'm concerned that the birds will try to come and steal the scene. For all of us. You know, there was a, a time before I preached this sermon series that I felt a very deep grief in my spirit. And I didn't really know what was going on at first. I really began to pray in the spirit because I didn't know how to pray in English because I didn't know what the burden was about. But I was praying in the spirit and then I had two other intercessors tell me things that were lining up with what was coming to me now. And it was along these lines and they were praying about it. And so the Holy Spirit, God in his great mercy, began to move out of people praying and he began to release a word like this these sermons the seed to be released but he also released a conviction of his spirit and all of us have felt challenged and convicted 
and all of us have heard the word but see this conviction is not going to stay here we're going to god the holy spirit will move us on into other sermons etc and as that conviction lifts and and god has spoken to us and he's released this word i'm concerned that the birds will come and just try to steal that seed you know and a lot of times people when they're convicted for a short time see there's some people that will hear sermons like this and they won't really understand it's about them and God's wanting change etc they're like the seed on the road they just don't understand and it just it escapes them it has it doesn't have any effect other people they're convicted they know that God is challenging them and they will start to make a few minor changes but as that conviction wanes they end up going right back to the way they were and there was never any real change at all that's the 75 percent but then you have the 25 percent that they realize God it the Holy Spirit is speaking to me this is obviously the word of the Lord and the Lord is challenging me and they will make changes to their life they'll realize that their time has been misused they'll realize that they have grown lukewarm they'll repent they'll begin to change things and go after God in a new way those are the remnant that have eyes to see and ears to hear and they have good fertile soil that the word will get in them and produce fruit did y'all hear me it will produce change fruit do not compare yourselves to other people go after God with all your heart even if you go alone do not compare yourself to other Christians don't think that everybody around you is going to really get this and go after God you have to make up your mind even if other people don't I'm going after God with all my heart and another area that I've seen the birds of the air trying to steal seed I'm just gonna to touch on this and move but you know God sent a great revival in the 80s of teaching I think about Derek Prince I think about Kenneth Higgins senior I think about others that were just tremendous teachers and what God was doing was he was teaching us about faith and about healing and about deliverance and about things that we would need to know so that when the revivals of the 90s came we were equipped and ready but what I've seen since about 2005 till now I've seen the birds of the air swooping down and trying to steal seed and I'm not trying to be critical and I certainly don't mean this from a bad spirit but you're hearing some very um, infant type sermons now that I mean are baby baby Christians over and over and over and over and nobody by and large I'm not, you know there's always going to be a remnant out there but by and large I mean people are not getting the meat of the word they're not getting good solid food that will make them mature and grow up they're, they're being given milk and it's it's causing them to remain babes and the birds of the air have definitely done a number in this area alright so let me give you a couple quick things about the birds that I think how many guys when you saw this you thought of Alfred Hitchcock just be honest all right I did too and I laughed <laughs> wait it's an attention getter right is it what is what is pastor gonna preach on man I gotta listen to this one all right well here's the foundations um, in the Bible there was clean versus unclean birds I, I think this is really gonna minister to you I'm gonna move quickly but I, I, I want to make sure I make it um, clear but there were birds that were considered clean kosher that you could eat and I'm talking about obviously in the under the law and then there were birds that were unclean that you could not eat 
So birds that were clean be things like chicken, you know, duck, geese, quail. But unclean birds would be things like this, like a raven, a hawk, an eagle, a buzzard. Now think about the difference in their diet. You see. But here's an interesting thing that a lot of people probably have never thought about. There were animals that were kosher and could be eaten. It was fine. But they, yet at the same time, some of them could never be taken to the temple to be sacrificed. Even though they were edible, they were not sacrificial. Let me explain what I mean. This is really interesting. A deer was clean. Now somebody could go out hunting and they may stumble upon some unclean varmint, you know, like a possum. <laughs> and they had to pass that thing by. But they would see a deer. And if they could kill that deer and bring it home, them and their family could eat it because it was kosher, but that deer could never be captured and taken to the temple as a sacrifice because it was not a sacrificial animal. The animals that were brought to the temple, interestingly enough, were always domesticated animals. Cows, goats, and sheep. These were farm animals that human beings were a part of their upbringing and they, they were domesticated. Probably for practical purposes, you capture some wild animal and bring it into the temple, what do you think is going to happen? The thing's going to go crazy. The, the priest pulls out his knife and the thing's going to see it and take off running and kicking over everything, you know. That probably is part of the reason. But I think that there's more to it than that. I think that also, I heard this story one time about, you know, at Passover. You got to understand that families, they had these animals that a lot of us, I've, I grew up where we had some animals, okay, but in, you know, farm animals. But a lot of people nowadays where we live here don't have a lot of farm animals, so it's hard for them to understand this. But when you were a part of the mama and you saw giving birth and you helped with the, the young and you saw them grow and you petted them and probably gave them a name and everything or whatever, um, I remember hearing a story about picture the Passover lamb that this family you know, they had these different sheep and, and one of the mamas gave birth and the, the, one of the young kids just really got attached to the lamb, petted it, named it. And, you know, one day the father had to tell him, say, no, son, listen, I know you love that little lamb, but it's, it's got to be sacrificed. We've got to use this blood on the doorpost. You see a little boy kind of cry and say, I understand, Dad, you know. But there's, there was an attachment to these domestic animals that people probably have. It was a foreshadowing of the father seeing his son on the cross you see it wouldn't mean anything you go out and catch some wild animal and drag it to the temple kicking and screaming and throw it at the priest but it's different when you were a part of its upbringing and you had a little bit of an attachment and you brought it to the lord it, it you know it really did something in you i believe it was a picture and type of what god the father was going to have to go through and Anyway, so the same thing with these birds. Even though a chicken, a duck, geese, and quail, it's, you know, etc. But these were clean. The Bible never called for those to be brought to the temple. But you do read about doves being brought in, see. Doves are domesticated. They're gentle animals. I have some doves. And they are, they are very gentle they're very flighty. You know, the Holy Spirit is described as a dove in the Bible, okay? He's a person. He's God Almighty, okay? But one of his descriptions is the gentleness of a dove and also that a dove is quick to leave. A dove is pretty quick to fly off. And the Holy Spirit can be easily grieved. You have to be careful with that, okay? But um, I remember, you know, we have these, we have these doves in a cage and they... At first, they were a little scared of me, but now, you know, I feed them. So they see me coming. They're happy to see me. They think, wow, this is the guy with the food, you know. 
and they're not scared of me at all now. But doves, doves are domesticated animals. And so as I go, some of this is going to make more sense understanding that. As you may have, you know, with your family under the Old Testament, you may have chicken soup. You, you may have got a duck, and now your wife is roasting the duck. But these were not animals that were going to be at the temple. So with that in mind, let's move forward. Jesus is teaching. Now remember that a mustard tree was not very big. It was kind of a smaller tree or like a big bush. But the way Jesus described it here kind of got really, it sounds really big in his description. So let's look at this for a minute. Based on Jesus' teaching, what were the birds? Demonic spirits. Evil spirits, evil people. 2 Corinthians 11:13. For such men are false apostles. Did you know that the Bible says that there are some false apostles out there? Deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Did you all know that the devil tries to pretend to be an angel of light? Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. I would hate to think that my family was sitting under one of the devil's servants, and I thought it was a man of God. But the Bible says those things happen. I would hate to think that my kids grew up with somebody like that, teaching them and laying hands on them. But it's out there. A lot of people don't have any discernment. They don't pray. They don't hear from God. They just go somewhere for different reasons, but they're not hearing from God. And I would hate to think that I drug my family into some place like that. It may look really good. Satan appears as an angel of light. It may look really good. It's got the appearance of good. But it's not good at all. Birds, y'all hear me. Birds have settled in on the branches of that place. You can see Jesus describes the birds as the demonic. But also they later were seen infiltrating the kingdom and sitting on branches. See, there are demonic birds that are sitting on branches throughout the kingdom. I don't want to be a part of a place where there's a bird on the branch and it's oppressed of the demonic. There's something there that is demonic. There's an evil presence. Something's off. There's not going to be no bird perched over the branch of River of Life. Amen? If it tries it, we're going to send him flying off. And the Bible warns us. It's really interesting. Jesus has given this eloquent discourse about the end times. Matthew 24. You should read it. And I mean Jesus is going through. And it's like before and during the first part of the tribulation. Then he gets into the abomination desolation. Which is the Antichrist. You see the second half where the genocide of the Jews and Jesus is going along explaining all this stuff about the end times. And all of a sudden, Jesus says this, and it sounds so random. He says, where there's a dead body, the buzzards are going to gather. And then he keeps on talking about, you're not going to know when the Son of Man comes, and all this stuff. And, and you're, you're, you know, people will be sitting there just kind of scratching their head, thinking, this doesn't seem to fit the narrative, but it does. It does. Number one... In the natural, it's probably foreshadowing something about the Gog-Magog war. Remember, I taught you about it, where they're gonna, the birds are going to be eating their flesh. Remember that? But secondly, listen to what Jesus said. Where there's a dead body, the buzzards will gather. We better stay on fire. We better stay alive. You know what keeps away the wolves? You go out camping or something, you build a big fire, and it'll keep away the wolves. 
You know, when people get spiritually dead and churches get dead and there is nothing more dead than a place that used to have the power and presence of God that now has died, it seems to be twice uprooted, double dead. Those type of places, the birds of the air start circling. How many of you guys have grown up around at least enough of the country where you've seen buzzards? I have. You know, you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're in a field somewhere. You look up and you see way up there, you see that there's these little black dots starting to circle and you think, man, either something's dead or it's about to be dead. And they're just waiting. And pretty soon you see that the little dots are bigger because they're coming down closer and closer. And next thing you know, you can see way out there where they went and you can go out there and there's a dead body they found. The birds are always circling out there. They're just looking for a dead body that they can rest on and feed on. And here's another thing. All this fighting and bickering stuff, I had a belly full that long time ago. My wife will tell you, I just don't put up with it in church. I'm on it pretty quick. I said, We're not doing that here. And some people have moved on. But here's the thing. The book of Galatians says, you better be careful biting and devouring one another like that, biting at one another, or you will be devoured by one another. You're seeing there the nature of the bird of prey. You're seeing, instead of having the dove nature, you're having the vulture nature to feed on flesh, to fight with one another and bicker and, and you, to get like hatred and bitterness. That's demonic. It's the work of the devil to destroy a body and it's like they, the church begins to die because they're fighting with one another they end up dead and the, the birds have come settled down but if we'll keep the dove nature and we'll forgive people and love people and keep unity and stay on fire for God the birds are going to be really far out there and it's just going to be a dot in the sky and they look down at river of life and say you know what I wish I could, but I can't get anywhere near there. The fire's burning too bright. All right. The second thing is deliverance and spiritual warfare. Isaiah 34, 14. And the wild beast of the desert. Now, this is an interesting scripture. It's talking about Babylon. Babylon, obviously we know, was a literal place, a literal kingdom. We read about Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible, etc. But it is a picture and type of the last day satanic kingdom that the Antichrist will rule over. And the Bible calls Revelation 17 and 18 Babylon. It's, there's a spiritual Babylon. There's a natural Babylon. I, I don't know how far I can go with this you know, for the sake of time, but the spiritual Babylon is a harlot church that joined in with like a one world type of religious thing it's it's a harlot church and revelation 18 is of the world socialism globalism unites together like one giant military one giant you know economy under the antichrist and this is called in the bible babylon but here's my point what what does Babylon mean? It comes to the word Babel. It means confusion. I mean, think about today. Here we are living in the last days, and you see so much demonic delusion and confusion. We're used to, I mean, I, I was watching a, one of these older TV shows that was made like in the 60s, and my, I was telling my wife, and we kind of chuckled how much things have changed because even the heathen understood. I mean, there are literal references in there to the, the husband being the head of the home, those words used. And a wife being submitted to the husband and obedient to him, those words used. But there's been so much confusion that the homes are so out of order now that it's gone even further to where there's people that don't even know if they're male or female. This is not confusing, people. But there's some kind of a Babylon spirit that's got people so confused, homes are so out of order, their minds are so confused that they don't even know what gender they are. 
that is a demonic deception. And don't tell me you can't now imagine that there'll be an antichrist come on the scene and everybody just follow him. It don't matter if he tells everybody to get something and brand their own hand with the 666. There's going to be people that do it. People are so confused nowadays. But I want you to picture that because it's dealing with Babylon here. It says the wild beast of the desert will meet there. But what's it talking about here? Wild beast of the desert. It's talking about demonic spirits. The howling creatures like wolves and hyenas. And the shaggy wild goat will call to his fellow and the night monster will settle there and find a place of rest. Now listen to this. Here's another version in the King James Version. It says the wild beast of the desert will meet with the wild beast of the island. And look at this. And the satyr shall cry to his fellow. Those that are familiar with the satyr spirit. Okay. It, this is serious stuff. And the screech owl will rest there and find her place of rest. The screech owl or the night monster in the Hebrew is Lilith. Which is a demonic spirit. Um, these things are very, very evil. And they have, a, I can't get into it too much, but they have a lot to do with like sexual attacks on people, especially at night. Uh, these are very dark, evil beings that, that are occult spirits. All right. But it's interesting that these, this screech owl, this, this evil bird, Lilith here, called a night monster in a different translation, these, these demonic beings are trafficking where? In Babylon. The Bible's clear that we may be in this world, but we've got to be uh, not a part of it. We've got to be separate. See, those that are being a part of this present world, where they're joining in with it, they're connected to it, they're connecting to a Babylonian system of confusion where demon spirits traffic. Let me say it another way. River of life will never be a place that's okay with abortion. We are not going to condone murder and the shedding of blood. When people are in this, this world and, and they say it's a church and then they start being okay with that stuff and they start having people in their church that are doing it and they start leadership, start saying it's okay, they become a Babylon and Lilith and Seder and other demonic spirits are now trafficking in that church. Now the birds have found a place to settle. When Abraham came in covenant with God, you read the story that Abraham took uh, two large animals and cut them in two. And then he had two birds he cut them in two. And he was walking among the pieces and he was, God was making a blood covenant with Abraham. But Abraham had to run off the birds. You remember that? The birds of prey tried to come down on those sacrifices. Right in the middle of God cutting covenant with Abraham, the birds of prey tried to come down and Abraham got angry and ran at them and ran them off. That's exactly how you got to be with the demonic. God's trying to do something and the devil's trying to come in and distract and you've got to drive that stuff away. Joshua had to possess the land. Joshua had to go in as a warrior and drive them out. How many knows Jesus said... That these signs will follow them that believe in my name. You will drive them out. You cannot, when you're dealing with demonic forces, you cannot sit there with your hands folded and very politely say, I would ask you, Mr. Demon, sir, if you would please leave and just simply, simply do the right thing. They're not going to do that. You, you cannot be pleasant. You cannot be nice. When you're dealing with demonic, demonic forces, you've got to run at them like David did Goliath and take their head off. You've got to say, you're leaving right now in the name of Jesus, out. And when you confront them that way and you drive them out, you're driving away these birds. The next point about revival and breakthrough, revival has to do with the dove. The, the Spirit of God has come to settle there. And you've got to be careful not to do something that's going to drive the Holy Spirit away. And one of the greatest things people can do is start putting up with sin in their camp. And pretty soon the Holy Spirit tries to deal with it. Leadership won't deal with it. The Holy Spirit's grieved. The Holy Spirit moves on. 
now things begin to die spiritually and a totally different bird of prey is coming in now to feed on that place y'all hear what i'm saying you're either going to have one or the other you're either going to have the dove or if the dove leaves because he's grieved you're going to have a bird of prey that you're wrestling it's interesting because noah y'all remember the story noah was living in a time when there was great judgment i mean the wrath of god came down and noah's floating in the boat and well time had passed and noah wanted to see are things now subsided so he takes a raven and he sends out the raven but the raven never came back and just flew around until he found his place you know but Noah then took a dove and he sent the dove out. The dove could not find a resting place and came back to Noah. So Noah sends the dove out again after a little while. The dove comes back with like an olive branch to communicate to Noah that yes, there's vegetation. Things are you know settling down. So later, Noah sends the dove out again. The dove doesn't return because the message is I found a place to nest now and so you notice there that the nature of the raven was to do his own thing the nature of the dove was cooperating with leadership and co helping to communicate you see the difference the thing that you need to know about the you know whether this um, animal was kosher or not one of the things you can really look at is that a buzzard for example feeds on dead carcass but a dove has a very pure diet. See, a vulture or something like that, they have internal organs that can digest, and it, basically, let me put it this way, they can digest filth. A dove cannot do that. A dove has to eat pure or it would kill him. And doves are gentle by nature. So the message here is when you're dealing with revival you want to make sure that the dove is present but the way you're going to do that is by making sure that things are pure and what we're feeding on as a church is pure listen to what the Bible says 1 John 4 1 beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world it's interesting that the Bible seems to be okay with making that statement Yet you say that with some revival people and they just don't like it. I'm serious. But the Bible says to test the spirits. Make sure that it is of God. The dove is only going to feed on what's pure. The dove is going to settle where things are pure. And, and see the dove is, is obviously representing the spirit of god but what i'm saying is is if people begin to feed on something that's demonic the dove will eventually leave amen and the nature of the raven here is to do his own thing to be kind of rebellious the nature of the dove will work with spiritual authority here's the last two points it's interesting that luke 6 38 Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured back to you again. So in other words, if you're a generous giver, you'll reap generous. I mean, it's pretty simple in that respect. But my wife and I, you know, I made up my mind years ago. Remember me talking about last week, I read that, that portion from Steve Hill. And I read about how Derek Prince went to the Brownsville Revival and he said that where there was an open heaven, um, you know, he could get more from God in the word, etc. Y'all remember this? And one of the things that I read to you, Derek was saying that before the revival broke out there in Brownsville, that the overwhelming majority of the people were really faithful tithers and faithful givers. And Derek pointed out, well, that makes sense because the Bible says if you'll be faithful givers like that, he will open the heavens and pour out such a blessing there is and Derek went on to say there's something 
very significant spiritually in your life when you're a giver and there is and I done made up my minds my wife and I have that regardless of what other people do or not do we were going to be givers and we were going to be giving of our first fruits and our tithes and we regard the poor and bless Israel and here recently I told her we're going to up our giving and we just started doing that this last month but when people are givers listen to me when people are givers it's not just going to affect you financially it will affect you spiritually when people are really givers and they're faithful things like first fruits and tithes and and you 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 know care for the poor you bless Israel you're connecting yourself economically to God's economy and you're opening yourself up for great blessings not just financially but spiritually revival God will pour out his spirit on givers it's just true and when I was looking over this I thought it was really interesting how God has used the unclean birds also in scripture remember what I just read here Jesus said give it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together, running over what shall men give everybody say that shall men give so look at this God knew that Israel was in a difficult place in Babylonian captivity but the Lord told them he prophesied it in the scripture even gave the man's name being Cyrus that God was going to bring someone from the east that would help bring deliverance to them and God used his name can you imagine because the history records that there were some Jewish leaders that actually went to King Cyrus and opened the Bible and showed him his name in the Bible can you imagine what that meant to him that God called him by name before he was ever born and that he would be a man that would help bring deliverance to Israel but Cyrus was described in Isaiah 46 11 as a wild bird of prey that would come from the east in other words God was saying that he's going to be somebody that is not um, Jewish he was not going to be uh, from Israel he was going to be a Gentile he was not kosher so to speak but he was going to be a wild bird of prey that God would use to bring deliverance now follow me God used an unclean bird to bless Elijah everybody knows the story of Elijah living by the river things in Israel have dried up and God's got Elijah down by the river and God's sending a raven to bring that man meat every day Israel left Egypt and came out healthy there was none sick among them and plundering the wealth of the Egyptians Egypt was like a, well Egypt was a heathen nation but yet God used them to bless Israel so what I'm saying is is this God wants to use y'all hear me God's wanting to use the heathen around you to bless you economically are y'all hearing what I'm saying he's wanting to use your secular workplace he'll use other people that you would never think he uses the heathen to bless the righteous financially but Jesus put it this way give it will be given to you shall men give into your bosom but you have to be a giver so in other words if we're going to be givers and we're going to be people that really live by kingdom principles God will make sure that even the wicked will be a blessing to you and the last thing I want to say is this and close out with this point entering the true power of God Romans 1 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe here's what I'm concerned about I'm seeing a time in this spirit of this region this bird of prey over this region this principality I'm seeing that people without meaning to are no longer enemies like they used to be to that thing 
that they've come into some places of agreement. The devil is not concerned about you preaching motivational speeches. He's not concerned about you, you know, preaching something you saw on TV or, you know, or something you read out of an encyclopedia. What the devil's concerned about is you really preaching the Word of God and preaching the gospel and it being pure. And if we'll preach the true Word of God and not water it down and we'll preach the gospel, no compromise at all, then you're going to see the power of God to save the lost. The true message, true message of healing. We're living in a time here in America where so many are trying to mix in other things into the message of healing. It's no longer by his stripes you're healed. It's why don't you take this drug and that drug and go to this place and go to that place and go to this specialist and do that. Listen, if that's whatever, people do what they want to do. It's their life. But if you'll preach by his stripes, you're healed. You're not going to water it down. You're not ashamed of it. You're not embarrassed of the healing power of God. And you'll really preach it and you'll live it and you'll go for it. You're going to see people supernaturally healed. Number three, deliverance. We're living in a time when there's so much other things. People, you know, there's so much psychiatry and so many uh, drugs to help people mentally and emotionally and all this other stuff to medicate. But if we will preach the delivering power of Jesus Christ. He said, I have come to deliver the captives, set those free in darkness. And you'll preach it. You won't be ashamed of it. You won't back down. And you'll take authority over the enemy. You're going to see a lot of people delivered. What I'm trying to say is if people will get serious about the word and really live it and believe it and preach it and go for it, they're going to see the fruit of it. But people are getting weird. They, they want to... to to think motivational speeches are going to change somebody's life. They want to think that they can just drug everybody up and send them to this psychiatrist and this counselor and all this stuff, and they're not being changed. They're really not. They're spending a lot of money, but they're not being changed. And it's like the woman with the issue of blood that spent all that she had. She was desperate, and she kept going to these other things, but when she had encountered with Jesus, everything changed. And the last thing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit, and that will never change. And I'm grieved to think that there's people out there that used to be Pentecostal, that you'll never hear tongues in their church. And not only that, if anything ever breaks out that seems to be a power of God, they'll run over there real quick, and they'll drag it into a back room because they're ashamed of it. God forgive us. Guys, if we won't water it down, if we won't dilute it, if we won't put some ungodly mixture in there, if we'll go after God, God will pour out His Spirit. He'll back us up. He'll give us souls. He'll give us healings. He'll give us deliverances. He'll give us changed lives. But I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind to go after God. And let, me, let me say this last thing. We're going to close this out. Are you part of the 25%? Are you one of those that this word over the last while I've been preaching, okay, this is the fourth sermon, fruitfulness. Are you one of the ones that it will really have an impact and bring change in your life? Or are you part of this? And we all need to ask ourselves this and be honest with God. Or are we part of the 75% that are too dull and there's not going to be any lasting fruit at all? It's just falling on rocky places. I don't want to be a rocky soil in me. I want there to be good soil where the Word of God can really get in me and change me. And God can do a work in my life. So Lord, I pray as we close out this series and everybody's agreeing with me, Lord, help us to not compare ourselves to other Christians. Help us, Lord, to go after you even if nobody else does. Help us, Lord, to stay on fire even though the Bible warns us in the latter days there'd be deception and many would get lukewarm and there would even be some that would abandon the faith. But we are going to go after God no matter what. Even if nobody else does. Lord, help us to have that tenacity. Help us have that strength. Draw us into you. And Lord, we bless you and seal this word in the hearts of many. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you could play that iPod for me. And I want us tonight, here in a moment, we're going to pray for people. 
But listen, next week, we're not going to have church. And I want you to take this, these notes and pray over them this next week. Y'all hear me? This would be the time to pray about this. Lord, am I really a part of this 25%? Do I have eyes to see? Do I have ears to hear? Is my heart and my good soil, is my life going to bring change? Because you watch, it's sad. I've seen it for 20 years. There's going to be some that really change and then there'll be some that it seems like the sermons were never preached in the first place it's sad the same seed went out it depends on the soil so let's do this for a few minutes if you would just agree with me in prayer if you want to make a place where you can turn and kneel if you want to get the lights you can but if you guys would just pray about it if you want to kneel, whatever you want to do, but pray about this. This is only going to be able to really get in us if we really get humble and serious with God. Lord, do a work in me. Do a work in me. Let me be a part of this 25%. Lord, let my life begin to change and bear fruit, to really be salt, to really be light, to really be fruitful. I don't want to be like those that are the 75% that hear it but never change.